This is the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast with Rachel Spencer. Listen in each week for tips on ways to win media coverage and create content to make sure your pet business stands out from the competition. This week on the podcast, I've got two guests, Martin and Lindsay Huntbatch, who are the writers of Content Fortress and they're content marketing experts. They run an agency called Jammy Digital and it's got so much brilliant information in there. We are talking about building a content fortress so you can attract the customers who you really like working with, give them a brilliant insight into your world so they choose you or your product or your service and also so you can send the people you don't want to work with who might not respect your boundaries or who might be a bit of a pain in the backside on their way. We're talking about how to make content nice and easy, how to not feel salesy when you're writing content for your website and also to how to tell brilliant stories that make you the guide and your the pets or the pet parents that you help the hero of the story. So you are showcasing how brilliant you are and why people should choose you without feeling silly or pushy or annoying. I know that you're going to really love this episode and I put some links in at the end where you can go and find out more about Martin and Lindsay and their brilliant book as well so now on for the main part of the show do let me know what your thoughts are on this do go and find martin and Lindsay on social media and let me let them know too Um, and thanks so much to martin and Lindsay for this brilliant chat so hi martin and Lindsay. thanks so much for joining me on the podcast oh thanks so much yeah no we're really excited yeah it's great to be here thank you Oh no, it's fab to have you here. So I, before we started recording, I was brandishing your book and showing you all the post-it notes that I've put in there because it's such a great read. Um, but can you tell us, a, start by telling us a little bit about yourself and also if we can just mention the book as well. Um, but yeah, tell us about you and what you do. Yeah, so we run a content writing agency where we actually write content for clients. Um, so pretty, you know, a, a standard agency type model. Um, but we actually started um, writing the book uh, during lockdown um, and based on, you know, how other people can create content. So, you know, not everybody can afford to work with an agency. And we really wanted to share our knowledge, which is where the book came in. And, um, you know, we spoke about our journey through running a business from an agency going right from freelance right up to agency and you know uh, uh, the clients that you get sometimes um can be they can be completely different uh, and the book was our kind of way to teach people how to attract better clients and kind of repel the clients you really don't want to um and yeah we just we run an agency so we kind of live and breathe it and uh yeah we love it yeah definitely Brilliant. Okay. So we, and you're a husband and wife team as well. What's it like yeah. working together? It's good. Um, we have to have separate rooms because Martin is really chatty and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I just stick music on and like to, you know, type away, whereas Martin will will talk a lot. Um, but as long as it's separate rooms, um, <laughs> it works really well. And we have very sad conversations. You know, if you go out to a restaurant or anything, we're just talking about business. So, yeah, yeah apart from that, no, it's great. It's really it. nice. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. So tell us about the book and what it's all about. So it's called The Content Fortress and it's the the strap line is a simple content strategy to help you attract customers you'd love to work with. So tell us about how that idea came about. Um, I always say that it's actually a happy accident or, uh, you know, kind of a, it was a, really the idea came from unhappy circumstances, really. Um, so we were, when we were running um, a web design agency, we really struggled with the type of clients that we were getting was sometimes the wrong fit. Um, and we were having kind of communication problems with clients or, you know, things weren't going right. They may perhaps expected more than what we originally agreed and things like that. Or there were things like where we were um, going after clients, you know, prospects and, and then getting ghosted. They weren't um, buying from us in the end. And we'd spent a lot of time kind of talking to them. Um, so we got really, really stressed, actually. Um, we were both very, very uh, stressed kind of running this kind of agency together. Um, so we came up with this idea, really, we'd we'd grown our agency using content marketing. So, you know, we'd actually become quite successful on the outside to anyone else kind of looking in. Um, we'd, we'd grown it that way, but we thought to ourselves, okay, how can we use content maybe to get better clients or to prevent problems in our business from happening and, and keep happening? Because these problems just kept going and going and going. 
And we just thought it was a normal part of running an agency when, in fact, actually, we just said to ourselves, we can't keep doing this because it's really sort of stressing us out. Um, so how can we use content to prevent those problems happening in our business and, and create a better business and get better clients? So it's kind of really that's how it was born. It wasn't really an idea that we came up with. It was more just kind of a struggle. And it ended up that Martin was just really frustrated one day. And he was just like, I'm going to write an article about this, this thing to prevent it from happening again. And it just it just spiraled from there, really. And we kept saying, what content can we create to prevent this problem from happening or yeah. to maybe make this clearer or to do this better? And it just became kind of a, an addictive kind of thing that we kept doing. And we noticed that it improved our business. The processes, the sales were quicker, the clients were better. It improved our business so much. So that's why it kind of all came about, really. Um, that's such a great story. And I I love it. I did um, I did a course a few weeks ago and it was called um, the Be Bold Bootcamp. And it was all about actually just saying what you want to say um, and yeah. putting yourself out there because it's something that we all struggle with, don't we? I know um, for many years, I, you know, I didn't put myself out there at all for like the first 12 years of having a business. Like, it was all word of mouth and referrals and mm. commissions from people who'd known me for ages. And then when I had to put myself out there, it was terrifying. But I think as business owners as well, we have this thing, don't we, where we have to be charm personified and we have to be nice to people all the time. And actually, you've just explained, you've just described how you had all these things that you were driving you mad and you just got those elephants and put them in the room and put them all over your website and then people who so I guess your content strategy was about telling people actually these are my boundaries and this is how it is so tell us about some of the ideas that you came up with at that point yeah I think the um like Lindsay mentioned we are already we already created quite a lot of content in order to drive traffic leads and sales but we still had to continue to fine-tune it and we still do to this day um, but I mean, there are scenarios when people re reached out to us and they were, you know, quite, um, quite blunt, maybe they'd email and they'd say, how much would it cost for a website? And they didn't say hi, there was no friendliness, there was no, you know, um, there was no polite uh, sort of nature to it. It was just, and looking for quotes for this thing. And we, we didn't like those inquiries because you know, it's mm. about it's about creating good experiences. You want people to have a, a relationship with you when you work with them. You don't just want people to treat you as a price or a techie. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the same for whatever industry you're in. You know, there'll be certain people that walk into a dog groomers, for instance, and just say, how much do you, how much do you charge? And then they'll say that's too expensive and walk out. Um, but in reality, there's lots more that goes into it. There's a lot more care and there's a lot more precision. And some people do things differently. And it just allowed us to communicate who we were and what we did effectively without without actually speaking to people. If we put it on our website, it was there, it was live, it was published, and we could easily send those articles to people. And it just meant that we avoided a complicated situation where someone just came in and said, how much do you charge? Because we we got to a point where people were just not getting in touch anymore. If they were that kind of person, we haven't had an inquiry like that for years now, which is great. And I do think it starts with having, you know, a, a conversation or if you if you by yourself, just a realisation that, you know, it is our responsibility to fix these problems. And when you own it and you take responsibility for every single possible awkward scenario in your business, how can I create content to stop that from happening again? Mm -hmm. Great problem solved. How can I do that again for that problem? And before you know it, you've just created this kind of fortress of content. Really. Yeah. So yeah. one of the first articles that we created was, you know, how much we had a pricing page on our website, but we also created an article called why are we more expensive or why are we so expensive? Um, which, you know, if someone's shopping around for price, you know, they don't understand why, you know, one web designer charges a thousand pound and one another charges five thousand. You know, so it's it's really communicating that and sending them saying, you know what, you might have you might want to understand more about why we charge what we do. So here's an article, you know, why are we so expensive? And people absolutely love that transparency and that honesty because if someone's already thinking someone's already got that objection in their mind anyway yeah. you want to be the first to voice it um you don't want to to have them thinking it because often people don't voice their objections especially in the UK yeah. <laughs> we're very very shy about saying well you're more expensive than that person down the road and um, so if you'd get in there before them and say, you know, I and you probably you might be thinking, you know, we're we're more expensive than maybe others in 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 your area or you know whatever it might be. And um, these are the reasons why. And send them an article about it. It's so incredibly helpful, and they really value it. It gets across 
across exactly why and it, and it positions you as really you know trustworthy and transparent so it's really it's a really good thing to do yeah and it's a lot easier to write it than to have a conversation with somebody about it when they've just rung you and said why are you so expensive and you're like oh this is really oh, yeah. hard yeah exactly exactly and um the thing is as well when something's actually published on your website and we say this a lot is you know people don't really care what you say they care what you publish mm-hmm. um when something's actually on your website or in the public domain it's much more trustworthy you know we can say anything on a phone call or you know face to face to someone but if something's out there and it's public and everyone can access it it just instantly becomes more credible and more trustworthy so it definitely works better that way yeah so what would you say are the kind of key elements then to building this con- content fortress? Um, what are the key things if somebody was getting started and thinking, right, I've, I'm listening to Martin and Lindsay here and thinking, this is sounding very familiar. What would you say would be like the maybe five posts that they could get stuck into to get started? Well, I think it's more important probably to think about what your goals are for your content marketing mm-hmm. efforts. So if you have somebody who is very busy, you know, someone's listening to this podcast and they're really, really busy and they, they're inundated and maybe they're, they're not charging enough and they're just, they're afraid that they're going to lose clients, then maybe look at one of the pillars, which is pricing content and maybe think about increasing the price um, and explaining through your content, why you're increasing the price. And this is something that's worked really, really well for us. Mm. I see lots of companies do it, especially with everything going on in the world right now. Cost of goods are going up um, and people are actually publishing more about why their prices are increasing. Um, And you can do this as well. You know, if you've been offering the same service for so long um, in your business, but you have upgraded your equipment, you've changed uh, locations, Mm. you've got more overheads, for instance, if you just simply explain this in content, you can dramatically, um, you can you get the buy-in and you'll not have any problems. And quite often you can increase your prices. What we did is we increased our prices four or five times using the same method because we kept upskilling, because mm-hmm. we were providing more value. So for, for us, we didn't want as many inquiries. We just wanted better inquiries. So that was our goals to solve that problem and increase our price. Whereas for some people who are listening to this podcast, it might be completely different, in which case you might favor for the other pillars of the content, like sales content, for instance. Yeah, exactly. And sales content can help you, um, well, get more sales. Um, And it's a very, very simple piece of content. You can create something like everything you need to know about my you know, dog grooming service or something yeah. like that, where it really highlights everything, you know, that you need to know about it. Um, and that can help you increase sales because if someone's on your website, if they're they're looking for more information, you know, that can be just something that they need to kind of um, push them into that, into that area. But yeah, it really does depend on, on what you need. I would say that if you were thinking about the, the most important pieces of content, um, sort of everything you need to know about my service is a really good one and every time yeah you increase your prices it's such an article like why am I increasing my prices for my dog grooming business as Martin said you can you know you can have things like that I I still invest in the best you know shampoos and all those kind of things you know you you can include all that information in there and it can give you the confidence then to increase your prices which is amazing you can send that out and people really value that and um, you become much more trustworthy um other things are things like you know objection-led content things like why are you so expensive or why does it take so long or um you know you know things like that or why do you can do can do not have appointments for two through three weeks and things like that just tackle those objections in your content and that can make for some really really good good stuff that leads to more to more sales and um higher paying customers as well yeah. And if you are having the problems, like we mentioned before, that we were having, which is, you know, you were getting the wrong kind of clients coming to you, people that didn't have the budget, for instance, that's where repelling, repelling content comes in handy, which I know is something you, you've spoken about with us um, before the podcast, which is the ability to actually say, you might not be the right fit for us. And that's okay. You know, far too many business owners online or, or, or businesses in general are like an open there's an open door policy you can work with anyone and everybody wants your money because they're a business and that's how it should work the customer's always right but in actual fact if you treat your business like that you will become very stressed you will become very overworked and you will deal with people uh, for the sake of you being polite and british (laughs) who might not be might not make you happy as a business owner 
just because a customer has been coming in for years doesn't necessarily mean that they're the nicest person. And maybe you do, do need to create some content in order to craft the perfect customer for you, you know, by putting it out there, by writing an article on your website and then using social media to talk about it as well. It really, really can have a big impact. Um, it's just content, you know, content in general, whatever form is right for you um, is, is, you know, is, is helpful. It genuinely is. So you talked there about having it on your website and then putting it out on social media, which um, is something I do in my own business. But I do also find um, I've, I've worked with people who do a lot of social media, but find the website stuff like quite overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, from reading your book, I know you're very much website first. So can you tell us a little bit about how that how that fits together? Yeah, the the reason we always recommend that you put content on your website first, so for example, on your blog, um, is because that way that you can get found on search engines using your content first off, which is always nice. Um, there's there's articles that we wrote in 2016 that we're still getting, you know, uh, website traffic to from from search engines now. Um, so it, it is it does have that long lasting effect that obviously social media doesn't. Uh, you know when you post on social media, it's pretty much gone within <laughs> two hours um, or whatever it might be. So you know it has that long lasting effect. Um, and two, when I create content for my blog, um, usually I'll be able to then use that content and put it on social media. So if I create a blog post, I can usually create eight LinkedIn posts out of it. Um, just by taking kind of segments out of the blog post and, and turning them into little mini um, posts. You can do this on Facebook or Instagram. It doesn't really matter, um, but it, it can really, really help. So not only are you getting, you know, actual website traffic from search engines when you when you blog, but you're also actually producing content that you can then repurpose on social media anyway. So it's kind of, kind of you know, hitting two things there really by by doing less work <laughs> um, and you're not kind of stuck for something to post on social media that day, you know, you've got lots of blog content that you can refer to. Yeah. Plus you don't, you don't own social media, yeah. uh, whereas you own your website. So if someone gets their Facebook page taken down or their advertising restricted or Twitter decide to cancel your account, whatever it may be, you don't have that platform anymore. You know, we've had people, uh, you know, completely rely on their Facebook page for when reach was really, really good, you know, a few years ago. And um, and then they needed a website based on the fact that Facebook actually just reduced it to like 5%. I think it was, mm, it's probably yeah. less than that now reach. Um, and it was just sad to know that somebody had put in so much effort into their business on Facebook, knowing that now nobody sees it without you spending money. Um, and then she had to think about getting a website because reach suffered so much. Uh, it's like Lindsay said, it's about working smarter. And if you've got that content stored on your website, you can always go back to it. You know, if you need to double the amount of Facebook posts or Instagram posts that you need to do, but you've got the original content saved on your website that's easily accessible, Google are going to treat it as a valuable resource because that's what they do. That's what their website does. It orders, you know, and prioritizes valuable content. Um, but Facebook doesn't. It organizes what, what your friends are doing at weekends. Mm-hmm. So that's where it gets tricky. Yeah. And many, many of your listeners might be kind of what we call local businesses as well. So they attract a local target market. Um, now, if you're if you're a local business and you're investing in, in content, the, the likelihood is it's going to be a lot easier for you to get to the top of Google for your for, for what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so when someone types in kind of I keep using the dog groomer <laughs> example, um, but you know, dog groomer Manchester. You know, if you're the one, if you're the only one in your area, you know, creating content, constantly updating your website, showing Google that you are an authority, um, and your website is an authority and it's credible and it's constantly coming up with this content, then the likelihood is you're, you know, going to be um, up there at the, the top of search engine results, which is always really nice, anyway. Um, you know, for someone who's who's searching because pe- people mainly do use Google for these kind of kind of services. So there's there's that to think about as well, definitely. Yeah, I think with um with because we've got such an emotional connection to our pets as well, as well as having the the kind of fortress style content and the mm-hmm. the really helpful content for people who are considering us, um, I think it it's a great way to build a connection with with people who are looking at what you do. And some if I like if I, I 
moved up to Newcastle over the last few years and I'm lucky because I don't need to have a dog walk because I work from home. But I know if I was, um, you know, if I asked for a recommendation on Facebook, I might pick the three that came up the most and then go and look at the websites. And I want to find things mm-hmm. that make me feel that my dog is going to be really well looked after. And that's another way you can use content, isn't it, to give that reassurance? Definitely. Yes. Yeah. And if you went onto that person's website and, you know, you went onto their, to their blog and they, they were, they were blogging about things like, you know, what's the process before, you know, how, how does this all work? You know, what's the process of me walking your dog? And we have a little introductory session first, and this is what happens. And I get to introduce them to the other dogs or whatever it might be, your process, you know, if you've got that kind of content on there that really um, helps reassure someone, then yeah, absolutely. That, that will make a big difference between someone, between you and someone who isn't doing that kind of thing. Definitely. Yeah, and I guess it does, it, it helps with selling you as well without you feeling like you are selling. Yes. Because that's yeah. another thing people, um, you know, do find challenging, don't don't they? Mm-hmm. We all we all find, most people find selling quite hard. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, do, would you be able to tell us about some of the posts that do, that can sell you and bring people to, closer towards you without you feeling like you are saying, buy my thing? <laughs> <laughs> I think Lindsay, Lindsay touched on process content just mm. then which is the more that you explain about how you work and what you do, even if it seems so obvious to you, that kind of content can work wonders because people like to understand exactly how it's going to work. We found that when we're building websites, we find it now uh, with writing content for clients. And I'm sure it's the same, like what Lindsay just mentioned for Mm -hmm. walking a dog. How does it work? Well, yes, you come in and collect my dog and then you go out, but what do you do? Where do you go? How many other dogs are there? How long, you know, how long can you go out if I needed you to? Do you go back to your home or is there an area I wouldn't know the first thing about it. Yes, my main concern is, you know, I need to go to work and I need a dog sitter. But obviously, like you said, you have such an emotional connection that people do want to soak up quite a lot of information in order to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And content in general, you know, if, if you had, let's say, five dog walkers in the area, but one of them actually explained that on their website time and time again, every single question that comes up, I'm going to talk about it. You know, why does it cost this much? What do we do differently? What do we feed your dog? Like there's so many different concerns that somebody might have. The person that answers the most questions that people have wins. That's yeah. that's how it works. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just about reassuring people, especially in, in the dog uh, and the pet business in general. Yeah. And the good thing about this is, is it's very easy for you to do um, because these are questions you probably get from your customers, you know, a lot. Um, and so they're, they're really easy. It's easy content to create because all you're doing is answering a question, you know, writing it down and putting it publicly rather than, you know, answering it on, that, you, you know, face to face with a customer or on the phone or whatever. But it is generally quite easy, easy content. It's not something where you have to really kind of think about it or do some do some research beforehand. You know, you know your business and it's and it's basically content that is all about your your service and 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 not much else it might be as martin said you know kind of those objections your customers might have so why are you more expensive than other other dog walkers and you can say you know the food or where we go or whatever or i have less dogs because because i like to spend more time with them or whatever it might be um you know you can you can talk about that and that makes great great sales content um you know but just basically yes taking the questions that you get from your customers and turning that into content and it's it's a very very simple thing to do yeah and, um, and, think, it, and it, it really does generate sales yeah absolutely it just works wonders everything Lindsay's just said and I think the the other thing as well is that um a lot of the times when someone asks a question um and it's quite technical maybe it is a dog groomer or, or, a, or a, a new piece of equipment and people really like to talk about the fact that you know face to face that this is a new piece of equipment this is what we love and they love to talk about it. Quite often, the reason that we don't put that information on our website is because we want to feel, you know, special, like we're delivering that special service to people one-to-one. And when they ask a question, we know the answer and we get excited about it. And that's what we found. If someone ever phoned us up before and said, why is my website not ranking at the top of Google? I'd love to get into the conversation and say, let's have a look. Here's what are the main reasons. And here's what what, what probably is we can do to solve that problem. But I used to get excited about it and it used to get really colourful. But eventually you have to realise that, is it worth you 
having that same conversation over and over and over again? Or is it better that you answer that question on your website so that every time someone asks, you can say, I'd love to have a chat with you, but also here's a link to this article mm. that will answer the question in more detail. Yeah. As well as that, you get great rankings uh, yeah. from creating content. So it's a side effect, but it just solved that problem. Even if someone's on the phone and they're nice to you and they're asking you all these questions and it's really pleasant, it's still time that you could be using to promote your businesses another way. A customer service and um, you know sales just doing delivering your service delivering in your service in general there's so yeah. much extra that you need to mm -hmm. be doing that you shouldn't really be having the same conversation over and over again and you have to think about what do we want as customers and i always say this to people like would you prefer to ring someone up and spend half an hour on the phone with them or would you prefer to go on someone's website and get the answers to your questions mm -hmm. majority of people are the latter <laughs> We are becoming slightly more unsociable, but never mind. But yeah. the majority of people, you know, they're they're there at 10 o'clock at night. They're looking for dog dog walkers. Uh, they need someone this week. Um, they, you know, are they going to wait till tomorrow to phone you or are they going to go with the person that answers all their questions on the website as and when they need it? And generally it's that, that last person. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you as well, when um, when you were talking about all of those questions and and having them all answered there something that um something that i hear a lot about in the pet industry and it, it happens with both products and services as well um is copying so one dog trainer will put on a particular class or a cat groomer will have a particular product that, uh, service that they offer or mm -hmm. somebody will make a, 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 a accessory or coat or bandana or something and then somebody else will think oh i'm going to copy that and some people feel really um, reticent about putting their stuff out there, putting too much detail out there because of um, fear of copycats. So I just would love to know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, totally. I mean, you have to think that not everybody is your customer. And because somebody in, let's just say, Liverpool launches a service and somebody in Man Manchester has that same service, you know, you're not competing for the same customers. And there's nothing that you can, you know, you see it with international companies never mind local businesses one person will launch a new software or a tool and somebody else will come out a month later with a, a slightly cheaper version you're never going to be able to get away with that mm -hmm. the reality is though is that if you make that decision to not put content out there or information out there because of your competitors then there's only one segment of the people people out there that are suffering and that's your customers yeah. so we're focusing so much on our competitors and what they're doing that we're not thinking about the people that actually pay our bills and that's sad in a way mm, yeah and i think as well is i i get the frustration <laughs> martin's way more relaxed than i am but there's been instances where we've we've done things and mm -hmm. created things and people have copied and i've been like oh um <laughs> and i and it is it, totally normal to get annoyed but one thing i've noticed is that one it takes them a while to catch up yeah um and you're if you know if you're creating content around that if you're posting on social media about it all the time they're always going to be lagging behind um, so you're going to get there first and, and, you know, being first is, is definitely advantageous. Um, and two, like, like Martin said, you know, it's, it's kind of prioritizing your competitors over your, over your customers, really. And you yeah. have to think about what your customers want. And if your competitors are the type of people just to copy you, that the likelihood is they're not going to create the content like you are. Um, they're not going to deliver the service at the level like you are. So it's it's difficult and have your five minute rant definitely yeah. when it happens <laughs> um but try and kind of you know think about well you know i came up with this first this is my this is my thing i'm really proud of it i'm going to keep on creating content around it um and promoting it and and yeah just just uh kind of rise above it as much yeah. as you can <laughs> and, I, and i think that, hard, hard to say <laughs> and i think the, the passion shines through you know yeah. if you've crafted this perfect product or this perfect service and process your passion will shine through um i can't remember what book it was but somebody explained you know the the the, the idea behind um the iPad, for instance, you know, when when Apple brought out the i the Apple iPad, it was a fantastic product. It was crafted to perfection. It didn't stop everybody else copying that product, but Apple did it in such a perfect way. Um, they weren't necessarily the first, but they were the first to really make it global. And I, I always remember that. I think we, if if Steve Jobs or whoever decided to create this product 
you can tell that it's perfect. You can tell that it's great and it's it's beautiful. So, so it didn't stop Samsung from creating the product. It also didn't stop Apple from making that product and talking about it and talking about what went into it and doing the big presentations. And I think if you treat your product like Apple treat their products, then and you're passionate and you and you really really are um, you know proud of it, mm-hmm. then. It shouldn't, it shouldn't keep you quiet for even a second. And I tend to find the people that copy as well, they feel most of them will will not shout about it as much as you because mm-hmm. they know, they kind of know that they've copied. <laughs> so you're at an advantage really where you can shout about it and keep shouting about it. And um, whereas they're they're a little bit more coy, I think. So there's there's that as well. <laughs> yeah, that's so there's so much reassurance in there. And I love the Apple analogy as well, um, because it's a it's a brilliant one. We should definitely think of ourselves as being like Apple and yeah I know how upsetting it is when people get copied as well and it really it really knocks people but you're right and also if you've got stuff on your website you've even got the timeline so if somebody down the road has copied your class you've published it on your website in May and they've done it in November then you've even got that timeline so you can just say well I was there first (laughs) so another thing that I love seeing people do particularly with the um, with pet businesses is really great ca- uh, client stories I've got one lady um, called Katie she's called the cat lady she's over in Liverpool and she's a cat groomer and behaviorist she's amazing and she does these brilliant blogs where she shares her client stories and she mm-hmm. works with, like a local rescue and you'll see the cats come in and they'll be quite often being quite a bad way they'll be quite matted or they might be nervous around being groomed she tells these incredible stories and I'm really allergic to cats but I'm, I just love reading about them mm-hmm. and she's does amazingly well on LinkedIn she's just incredible um so she is like whenever I talk about client stories I'm always like go and have a look at Katie but can you tell us as content marketing experts and, and having written this awesome book tell us um tell us your, give us your take on client stories and why they're so great and how to go about sharing them yeah, so it's a really good. I'm really, I'm going to check this list now after, <laughs> after we've had this um this call. But yeah, um, so there's a thing about about case studies. I think most people see it as something that goes on an area maybe of their website where it's kind of a, a testimonial. It's very promotional of their of their service. Um, so to actually create this as content, you know, really good blog content, the way to do this is to really focus on kind of the outcome that someone had. So how um, how I took a, an extremely nervous, um, nervous cat who hated being groomed um, to, um, you know, a cat that absolutely loved, loved it. And, you know, if you if you create a kind of story around it like that, that focuses on the outcome that you've got rather than, you know, um, you know, case studies all about me and just kind of the name of the of the the person that hired you or whatever it might be. So it's it's more taking the focus away from you and putting it onto the to the outcome that you achieved. And if you can do that through a blog post, so someone actually learns, you know, you can say how you did it, what your process was, um, and someone actually learns something through it, and um, then that can be incredibly powerful because people are learning through it, and um, so they're finding it incredibly useful. It's something that they might be googling, you know, how to how to groom a really nervous cat or whatever it might be. Um, so they're learning through it, but at the same time, you're also promoting what you do um, as well, um, you know, and making that clear to your to your readers. So it's kind of fifty percent helpful and 50% promotional at the same time and um, but the promotional side is quite subtle um but it, it still comes across very very well yeah um so absolutely. I think those those kind of articles really do work very very well yeah you could you could definitely create um you wouldn't for that example you you'd never have to explain anything about our pricing products and services in that mm. piece of content you just say this is the situation before here's the struggles that we had part way through mm-hmm. here's what we found and then here's the amazing video over afterwards mm-hmm. you know walking around looking very happy and having and um, you know tickles and cuddles mm-hmm. so the video itself is a lot like a story and I think that's the real trick is to make it yeah. story driven and to say, this is the situation. Here's yeah. what we struggled with. Here's how we overcame that. Um, and I think that's that's the sign of a great case study in general. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, we talk about, you know, we're talking about pet businesses, but that's the story of most films you see. 
you know, the person, the protagonist, the problem that they're facing, and then you take them through to here's what the end of the movie looks like mm-hmm. or the end of the book, and it's successful and it's happy, and here's what happened in between. Mm-hmm. If you can remember that everything, every story you tell within your business should be treated like a like a like a book or a film, you know, not necessarily 60,000 words, but <laughs> um, I think the idea is that those pillars within a story within, you know, Star Wars or Hunger Games or whatever film, there's always consistencies. Yeah, you always have it. There, as Martin said at the beginning, you have you know the the problem that it was, you know the and your protagonist, the cat, <laughs> and what they're struggling with, and then you know the you act as a kind of guide. Really, um, there's a brilliant book called um, Build, uh, Building a Story Brand, which uh, goes through this incredibly well. But how you act as a guide for mm-hmm. your customers to help them um, solve problems, and you are the guide there to help yeah. them. But the main star of the show is your customer um and their pets um and how you actually help them overcome these problems um and you can talk about the you know the things that maybe didn't work or the struggles that you had you know i tried this method and it didn't quite work so i tried this one instead you know you can be very honest about that um you know and just and and it really positions you as an expert when you do that because you clearly you know you're trying different things and, and doing different things and sometimes it's not just a straight away something works there can be a bit of a struggle there yeah. um but then yeah at the end um showing you know the the happy uh scenario right right uh afterwards after you've tried everything so yeah that's it it's a good way of doing it definitely and stories have a way of you can interweave stories into everything if you're creating repelling content or process content or maybe it's just a a social media post Mm. there's always ways for you to use story and that's why we included story pretty much at the very end of the book because it wasn't just one pillar create you know stories or case studies it it just applies to every area of what you do and if Mm -hmm. you can always remember that whether it's a tweet you know uh, very few characters there's always ways that you can you know use that story driven element within your yeah. content and luckily for your for you know for your business is um being you know in the pet industry you're probably got a really amazing bank of stories you know about the the different pets and things that you've you've come across and the the things you've had to overcome with them and i'm sure there's some amazing stories in there or funny anecdotes i'm sure there's lots and lots of different things that you could draw upon whereas our industry is a little bit more boring and um, but you know <laughs> yours is actually going to be interesting and I would love to read that if I was on someone's Facebook page or someone's mm-hmm. website and they were they were telling me a funny story about you know um a, a dog on their dog walking things you know it, that's really great I would love to 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 read all that so that's a really nice industry to be in I think for good stories yeah absolutely and what I would also I mean my background is journalism and I ended up where I am now because I got a dog myself and then I started a dog blog, became a crazy dog lady. And then when um, when people approached me from a, to be on my blog, they found out I was a journalist. They said, oh, you know, can you help us get press coverage? And that's what led me to where I am now. Um, but one of the things I've had people say is that people sometimes worry about the writing style and things need to be polished and perfect. And we, you know, we're, a lot of us, you know, we carry around hang-ups about our writing from school. But when we're telling stories, it literally is. I try to explain this to people it's just like telling people you know a story in the pub it's like this happened so we did this and then that happened and then you're not going to believe what happened next and this is what helped and these were the bumps in the road but actually the outcome is this and it it can be quite a simple framework can't it and you don't have to be polished and perfect it doesn't have to be like your English GCSE or O level or anything it can just be like and you just put it out there don't you and yeah actually the better the it's far better for it to be you know, just like you speaking rather mm-hmm. than, you know, your English GCSE, because um, that's what people kind of connect with. Um, everything you learn about school, trying to get, yes. <laughs> we can write how we speak now. <laughs> yeah, okay. thank God. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's something, you know, we, we've we struggled with, definitely. Um, I I have dyslexia and and Martin, you've, you've never been a natural writer, have you? No, I failed English of... twice, to put it, to put it bluntly. <laughs> well, that, that, I mean, our careers are in writing. Yeah. Um, um, because it's way more than grammar and spelling is incredibly important. I'm not saying that it is, um, you know, there's certain tools you can use like Grammarly and things like that could, that can help. Um, but the, the, you know, the, the real kind of, uh, impact lies in yes, how you can, how you can tell a story and write how you speak and connect with the reader. And often if you, if you sound like you're just chatting in a pub, like you said, or chatting in a cafe with someone, then you've hit the, you've hit the right tone. Definitely. Um, 
that's that's far better than than sounding very stuffy. I always think if you if if you write something and it doesn't sound like something that you say in real life, for example, we wouldn't say here at Jammy Digital. I wouldn't say that to a customer if they rang me up on the phone because I'd think I was a, a, a weird, <laughs> a very weird person. So if I was thinking, you know, if I if I can say that to a customer or client on a phone or a video call, then that's fine. If not, then cut it because it's going to sound a bit stuffy or strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, loads of brilliant tips in there. And I hope it gives people the confidence to think about this stuff and actually think about, you've got all these great stories that you can share, whatever you do, whether you've got a product, a service, even B2B, um, you can share these stories and it's going to really make a difference for, um, you know, people connecting with you, isn't it? Um, So you touched on this before about repurposing because you were saying about like your your blogs will turn into eight LinkedIn posts and people will be like... (gasps) You can't talk about the same thing eight times, but I do this every week with the podcast, so I'm, I've got comfortable with it. And it can feel weird, can't it? Yeah. Posting repeatedly about the same thing. But can you tell us about how your blog would fit into your um, fit into your marketing? So your emails, your social media, your some people do printed newsletters, um, and you know other content that you're putting out there. How do you take your blog and then repurpose it and get as many eyes on as possible on it? So Lindsay is generally the one who does this for us. Um, But I wanted to just kind of pop in to say that when you create a piece of content, it's a good idea to have that kind of shareable mentality when it comes to creating a piece of content. So rather than you create, because I do a lot of writing, um, even though Lindsay is the best (laughs) by far, I still love to write. (laughs) The only way that I can write, and again, because I've not been a natural writer, is to think, what's the overall article about? What do I want to get a point across? And then before you do anything, you can break down the main points of the article. Now, those main points, for instance, uh, whatever it is, um, you know, think of any topic, there's always chapters of a book. There's always sections of a blog post. So before I even write anything, I've already broken up that piece of content. Now, naturally, those individual steps would make a great LinkedIn mm-hmm. post, individual steps that are completely different from the other one. So although the overall topic is about, you know, how to get from A to B or whatever it would be, those individual steps, if you plan it from the outset, then, you know, the natural progression would look like this. It's very straightforward for Lindsay then if I write a piece of mm-hmm. content to say, great, this is great. That will make a great one. That will make a great one, you know, and then you, obviously you work your magic, but the overall topics can be created from the very, very start, which means you're thinking about social media while you're writing a blog post, which yeah. makes the entire process a lot more consistent, doesn't it? It does, yeah, yeah. The individual points usually, so the kind of subheadings in an article, usually you can make individual points for social media. So you don't generally end up repeating yourself too much. So, for example, if you had an article to say, what's the what's the process of you of of you of me starting to to walk your dog for you um so the the first thing might be you know the first headline might be our first meetup um you know and you talk about you know how you introduce the your um this person's dog to uh, the other dogs um what you want what you get to know from the owner you know or maybe a questionnaire that you send them or whatever it might be um that that first bit of the blog post will make a social media post on its own and the you know if you go through the entire thing and you plan it out as Martin said plan out your subheadings it's so difficult to write a blog post if you just start writing and then expect it to kind of go in the right direction uh, I can't do that um people like Stephen King can <laughs> when they write novels but most of us aren't Stephen King um so you know I will have to plan out a blog post that way as well where I keep keep to you know writing the subheadings first and then essentially it's a fill in the blanks exercise rather than you know just sitting there trying to write an entire thing um completely from from scratch um, and yeah, and each individual kind of subheading can make its own kind of social media post within, you know, itself. So you're not repeating yourself too much because you're taking different elements from the blog post and creating them into social media posts. But they're all kind of different points. If that yeah, makes I mean, sense. If, if you use the example, for instance, if it's a dog groomer and they list everything, the eight things that we do when we take take your dog um you might have something about the food that might be we feed them if this then we put them on the lead and here's the lead that we use and you talk all about that and and how many dogs you have that's very very easy for me to Mm. imagine those being very different um posts and a good way to look at this is could i write one article about the type of food that we feed dogs and you probably could 
So it will make a great piece of this larger article. It will make a great social media. And then you've given yourself another idea for an individual piece of content. You could go into a lot more information, a lot more detail about that particular question. So before you know it, you, you add one question for one piece of content, which is how we, you know, um, look after how we your look dog. After your dog. <laughs> but all the time you've created another five social media articles there. You've created five new articles that you can work on going forward. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it it does become a little bit of a... You can imagine just yeah. an article just dedicated to leads and the yeah, different types absolutely. of leads. And uh, yeah, before you know it, you'll be you'll be overrun <laughs> with content ideas and you'll be um you'll be uh, not happy with us. No, <laughs> I know, totally. all this content to write. <laughs> I know. I always have this when I have um calls with people, like in my I've got a membership community and we sometimes have content planning calls and I'm just like, Well, you know, I've got all these ideas like flying out of my head because that's what I do. Yeah. Oh, I've got loads of ideas now. I'm I'm knackered just looking at it. <laughs> one of my obsessions is if I had a dog walker, which I don't, is how would my dog be traveling around with the dog walker? So I'd want to see the inside of the van and the crates yes. that they use and that kind of thing. And Absolutely. you know, if he went to a groomer's because he doesn't like going on the table at the vets, would it be okay for him not to be put on the table at the groomer's? And these are the kind of things I want to know. And yeah. I know it sounds slightly neurotic, but that would be the difference that would make me choose the groomer cool. who answered those questions for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another thing, I a question I know I will have people will want will want to ask you is how often should we be blogging? So if we got our, if we thought, okay, this is what we do, this is what we make, or this is the service we provide, and we create all of the content around that topic, and we think, right, that it, we, you know, we've done it, we've created answers to every question of. Um, you know, somebody might have. How often would you? How often would you recommend people create blog content to keep that keep that momentum up with Google and and to keep that momentum up with their clients, I guess, and all that well, nice stuff that we want. Yeah, and and I think a lot of it depends on you know who the business is, what industry yeah. they're in, you know, what subset of the pet business they're in. Uh, we had a very very competitive industry with web design because everybody knows about the techie stuff yeah and um, whereas in the pet business for instance a lot of people just just do their business and they're, they're, they're maybe not as knowledgeable we only published i think it was like 20 articles in 2017 you know we didn't publish one every week but we got results you know yeah. within two or three months we were getting results we were getting a lot of traffic so we're very much in favor of creating a content plan based around your lifestyle that you want yeah that's you know part of the reason is you know, if you're really busy with work and we tell you to create a content fortress and then you just swap your free time uh, to, mm-hmm. to writing content, then we're not really solving any problems. So just it's adding about, more stress. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I think we're, we're in favor of more detailed articles, but fewer mm-hmm. of them. I think it's much better to do that. Um, it definitely worked for us in in your industry and in other industries like b2c businesses for instance a very simple step is to do what we've discussed which is if you need to create a shorter article for instance that answers the questions that you've asked me now you know you just mentioned about the the dog being on the table versus the floor and you can write 500 to a thousand words on that um you know that might get you some great results that Mm -hmm. wouldn't work for us because we have a lot more competition but it's about creating content that solves a problem. So rankings are going to come as a part of it, especially if you're a local business and you use your, you know, the location within your blog post titles and things like that. But more than anything, if you keep getting that same question by publishing it, you're going to save yourself time. Yes. So you spend an hour, two hours writing this 500, 700 word article but it ranks on Google, which is great, but it also means that you can send that to people and you don't have to continuously answer that question. So yeah. it's about thinking smarter rather than working harder. Yeah, yeah, we've saved a lot of time from answering answering questions on mm-hmm. our website that rather than speaking to people. Um, but yeah, essentially it is coming up with a realistic um, you know, schedule for, for, for blogging for you. And if that is once every two weeks, if mm-hmm. that's once every three weeks, once a month, Whatever, whatever you can do, you know, doing something is is better than doing nothing, um, definitely. And actually, you know, creating helpful content that answers your customers' questions is always going to be a good thing. Are you going to get results faster if you do it more often? Yes. But you have to balance that with, you know, everything else that you've got to do in your business. So I think just coming up with a realistic time frame for yourself, really, um, is good enough. Um, for, for us, we do it probably once every two weeks so depending on 
you know whether whether we're uh, you know how busy we are sometimes we'll aim for for once a week and um, but we do it about once once every two weeks and that and that still delivers us good results and we are in a competitive industry as in others in our industry know how to do content which is very annoying <laughs> um, and actually do it <laughs> um so so we are in a in a much more competitive industry but you might find with you know within the pet industry that this is a little mm-hmm. bit easier because you maybe your your competition isn't as as high particularly yeah. if you're a local business as well yeah and it does it comes back to your goals as well um, you know, for us, we're publishing probably more frequently now mm-hmm. because our goal is to rank higher up on Google. Mm-hmm. And we know if we focus on writing content specifically the way that we do it, we know we're going to get first page rankings because that's how it works. The system's quite, you know, predictable. Um, but that's because our goal has changed. So that when we started, our goal was get any inquiries and then it changed to get better inquiries mm-hmm. and then it was charged more for inquiries and now it's okay let's start testing what works and what doesn't so now it's get rankings and we create content in order to get to the first page and it, and it happens and that's because that's our goal so we've slightly adjusted it if your goal is to simply drive more traffic on a local level on and answer questions so that you don't have to continuously answer then you know there's not going to be as much work involved mm-hmm. um and yeah, it's about making sure that if you are writing an article about what it is that you do, that you do answer the question as fully as you possibly can. There is times when it's going to be, do you open on a Sunday? And you say no. <laughs> like that, it doesn't require much explanation. It's pretty, pretty normal, pretty consistent. So, you know, those kind of questions, you might want to include them in places, but um, it's not going to be that important. So just really think about the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can come from a content marketing standpoint and you can get your driving traffic and you're having great conversations with people, you really start to feel that it's a different business. And you, a lot of people just think content is just another thing to do. Shall I do TikTok? Shall I do blogging? But actually we see it as, as an entire kingdom of you know, potentially happiness because that's what we've been able to do. We've yeah. created this fortress and this wall around our business so that we never have to deal with a customer we don't like ever again. Uh, and we're able to spot it a lot more. So yeah, it's just a, you put yourself in a great position. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think the kingdom of happiness is a very <laughs> good point to end on because I think that's what everybody listening would want for their business myself included um, <laughs> so it's been absolutely brilliant chatting to you I've got loads of ideas um, oh, myself yeah. and I know that people listening will find it really helpful as well so tell us about where we can find out more about you yeah well we run jammydigital.com which is our main website that's pretty much where everything is and uh, we've got things like a business blogging quiz uh, which you'll be able to access for free we've got an seo quiz just everything that you might need in order to learn how to blog uh, everything's on that website along with a link to our book as well um so yeah that's pretty much it brilliant thank you so i will get the links from martin and Lindsay as well and include them in the show notes for this episode so if you're listening on my website then go and swipe up or if you're on the app you'll find them there as well um, so yeah it's been really good chatting to you thank you so much for coming on the podcast oh, thank you and I will look forward to um, hearing how this is received because I know it's going to be really helpful so thank you thanks, thanks so much for having us really enjoyed it loved it thank you for listening to the publicity for pet businesses podcast for more free resources and ways to promote yourself as a pet entrepreneur, visit www.publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk.